Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. You know, whether you know it or not, God is at work in your life. God is at work in everyone's life. His work is not reserved just for the super spiritual or for the powerful or for the leaders. God's work is in everyone's life. He is the God of the ordinary. If you're common, well, then you're special to God. God works in all things for good to those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Now, we've got to be careful. That, that verse can be used, unfortunately, uh, in some ways that makes it seem like God reserves his work and power for those who are, well, for things that are big, for dramatic things. But God works in all things. God works in all things, anything. The word all things refers to the common, the ordinary, the everyday things, the routine. God can work in your everyday life. We're in the book of Ruth very beautiful story, and you may remember from last Sunday that chapter 2 ends with an obvious question. Will Ruth and Boaz get together? Now, the context, I remind you, the context of the story begins with chaos and crisis. The culture is in chaos. It's at the point of moral collapse. Everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes whatever they want to do. But Ruth's family is also experiencing an acute personal crisis. uh, Ruth, her sister-in-law, and her mother-in-law, all three have lost their husbands to death. It's a tough time for them. Ruth is a very specific story about common people, ordinary people, when society was at a very low point. Ruth ends up being the bright spot in a very dark era of history. She's also in a very tough spot right now. She's a young widow trying to care for her older mother-in-law, who's also a widow. And Ruth is different. She's, she's a different ethnicity. She's from a different place. She had a different rearing. She is truly an outsider, a foreigner, who would normally face oppression. And Naomi gives Ruth some very bold advice that makes for a very unforgettable proposal or appeal. Now, we're at the halfway point in the story, but really we're at the climax of the story. Take your Bibles out, open your phones up, wherever you have the Scriptures, and look at Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Let's read it. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found for you a permanent home so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, tonight he's going to be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath. Put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. 
Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, and then go and cover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I'll do everything as you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. And then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over, and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now you don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who's more closely related to you than I am. So stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. And if he is willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until the morning. So Ruth lays at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman is here at the threshing floor. And then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. And then he returned to town. Then Ruth went back to her mother-in-law. And Naomi asked, what happened? What happened, my daughter? And Ruth told Naomi everything that Boaz had done for her. And she added, And he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until things are settled today. Now, this is a strange story, and we got some explaining to do. It's certainly a bold appeal, and I want you particularly to see three things I think emerge from this chapter. In fact, this whole book, they are commitment, redemption, and wisdom. Now, at this point, it's certainly there's a romantic sus- a suspense in it. You know, what, what will happen? What will happen between Ruth and Boaz? But there's an even greater suspense. It's one of honor. Let's remember that everything happening in the culture, Judges 21, 25, gives the background. Everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever seemed right to them, whatever felt right to them. So with Ruth and Boaz, will they continue to do what's right before God or will they act dishonorably? 
This encounter is a major turning point in the story. When it comes to commitment, here's what you see in the story, that you should look for a way to stay in and not for a way to get out. That's the first thing. That's commitment. It's going to show on the screen right there. That's what commitment's all about. Back to Romans 8, 28. The only way God can work in Ruth and Boaz's lives is if they live according to his purpose. And it's the same for you. And it's the same for me. In Ruth chapter 2, Naomi told Ruth that Boaz is a family redeemer. And we're beginning to get a picture of what that means. While, so within the Old Testament law, God gave a way for families to be taken care of when a husband dies or a father dies. Our culture is different. We look at it through a different lens. But this idea was common at the time. And though we don't have family redeemers today, when someone dies, the family should be taken care of if you have the means. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. But this law is found in the background of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, where it says the brother of the man who died is to take the widow, and if she doesn't have a son, if, that is, if she doesn't have a son who can take care of her, then the brother, the nearest brother, is to take the widow. There's something to note here. Ruth is not bound by the Mosaic law. Because she is the daughter-in-law of Elimelech's family. So technically, she could marry for money if she wanted to. You see, Boaz mentioned that in the story, don't you? She could have married someone younger even for money. Or even gone back to her own family. But here's what you see in the story. Ruth doesn't look for technicalities and ways to get out of the relationship, but for ways to stay in. And that's how we should treat all of our relationships. Stop looking for a way to get out. And look for ways to stay in. Another law found here is the law of the family redeemer. The background is in Le Leviticus chapter 25. And what we learn from this law is not just commitment, but also redemption. Redemption teaches us no one is rescued by accident. Somebody must take accountability, responsibility. Redemption means that somebody is rescued, somebody is delivered. Redemption means something uh, regaining a, some possession that had been lost. Family redeemer here is a very specific word. It is talking about the one who has the responsibility to rescue you sometimes hear it in, uh, in first responders in our own day when they're being introduced and held up as a hero and they say, I was only doing my job. I was only doing what, I was, what I'm here for. That's the idea. That's the idea. The one who has responsibility to rescue, to redeem, in this case, a relative who was in trouble or to regain a piece of property that had been lost. In the Old Testament, it's God's way of preserving Israel. 
very interesting when the first time you, you realize this and you look at the laws that God laid out, the conflict over land that we see in the Old and the New Testaments, well, what am I saying? Right now, look at the conflict over the land, right? Whose land is it? The idea was that the land would stay with the family in Israel and that it would be redeemed. And it's off topic, but if somebody was using it for 50 years on the year of Jubilee, it went back to the family, right? It was a way of God's keeping poverty from being generational. In the New Testament, we learn that Jesus is the family redeemer. Kind of as Ben was mentioning during communion, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, we're told that Jesus is our older brother who was willing to pay the price for our redemption, to buy us back. He is the family redeemer. It is Christ Jesus who rescues us. He is the one who has taken on the responsibility. Now, when we talk about good news, this is what we mean. Jesus, who is our innocent older brother, steps in and redeems. He pays the price to redeem us from sin. He went to the cross so that we might be rescued from death. And the way that we accept Jesus as our Redeemer is by acknowledging who He is, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and by following Him, beginning by being buried with Him in baptism and by the power of the Father raised up to live new life, Romans 6. It's His way of receiving grace which only he can give. This is the good news of redemption that we talk about. The story in Ruth in many ways points to the good news we see in Jesus. So as we look at chapter 3, we see that Ruth is under no obligation to stay. She doesn't have to. And Boaz is under no obligation to act. But they're trying to find ways into the commitment, trying to find ways to take care of each other. But first, verse 12, there's another closer than I, Boaz says. There's someone who has a greater responsibility to you than, than I have. But he's still going to be the one who acts. He is going to be the one who takes responsibility. Let me point, let me point out, first of all, two mistakes we often make when we're reading the book of Ruth, particularly chapter 3, okay? Two things we do not want to read into this story. In other words... You don't want to read a Hallmark movie into this text. This is not a Hallmark movie. Don't look at it as if it were some rom-com of today, a modern rom-com. That's not what's happening here. It's not the intent of the text. It's not the way the ancient Near Eastern people would have viewed the text. It's not the way we should read the text. And secondly, don't read, it, don't read sexuality into the story. Hey, what about that uncovering of the feet, Jim? Let me tell you what the story says. The story says, whatever, they acted honorably. And that's the intent of the text. So don't over-sexualize the story when the scriptures don't over-sexualize it. Now, is it strange? Absolutely it's strange. There's no way around it. Naomi gives a bold advice to Ruth. Go to where he's sleeping, lay down at his feet, and uncover his feet. That's a strange thing to do. 
The old saying that I know is the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, not through his feet. I don't know. So, yeah, it's an odd story. But what's going on, Jim? Well, they're at the threshing floor. It's kind of the barn. It's where you go. The threshing is the process of preparing the barley harvest. Boaz is the boss there. He's hard-working boss, working alongside his men, getting everything ready for the harvest. Naomi, Naomi's the older, wiser, knows the culture, even knows the men in her culture. And she gives some highly practical advice to Ruth. Basically, she says, look, look presentable. This is not seduction. The clothing was going to cover her completely. But look presentable and wait for the best time. Don't interrupt his meal. Now remember, at the beginning of this story, Naomi was mad. She was upset. She was bitter about losing her husband and both of her boys to death. And she could have continued in that bitterness, but she didn't. Rather, she channels her energy into being a mentor to Ruth. And not only do we see commitment and taking responsibility in this story, but also wisdom of applying God's standards to real life with honorable intentions. So Naomi is acting honorably. Ruth is doing her best to act honorably, as is Boaz. Every character in this story is trying to honor God. Now Ruth enters a barn full of men. They're in good spirits, verse 7 says. They've had a good day's work, a good meal, and they're getting ready for a good night's sleep. And there are certainly levels of risk present in the story, certain tension there. Ruth is risking her safety, even risking the perception of her motives. She doesn't know what these men may do. She also doesn't know how people will perceive her motives or question her motives. Was Naomi's plan... Was Naomi's plan a good one? Was it, was it wise? Many question it. I'll tell you this, it's certainly weird. Uh, and it's certainly strange, it's a strange thing to tell a young woman to do. Was it wise? Maybe, but, but we know Ruth and Naomi had honorable intentions. Is this a good plan for young people today? No. No, it's not. Because sometimes, listen, sometimes the scriptures are descriptive and sometimes scriptures are prescriptive. We need to be careful about reading too much into the text. Uncovering a sleeping man's feet could be a rather regrettable experience depending on the man. Well, why is it not a wise thing to advise young people to do today? Because this is not 1200 B.C. and we don't live under the Old Testament law. That's why. Before Ruth acts, she doesn't have all the answers. And wisdom doesn't mean you, you know everything, you have full knowledge. It doesn't. She has to act without full knowledge of what Boaz will do. So Boaz is asleep at the threshing floor, worn out for a hard day's work. He, no doubt he stank. And in the middle of the night, he wakes up to ask, who are you? Now, you may wonder, Jim, that story's a little convoluted. It's not even believable. I, I don't know. Some of you have wakened in the middle of the night, startled, and wondered who your spouse is, even though you've been married for decades. 
I've been there. I've had conversations in the middle of the night with Lisa. She's sleeping still. Half the time, I don't know who I'm talking to. That's okay. It's a very believable story. She can tell you the same on me. Ruth explains herself. I'm Ruth, your servant. That's where Ruth goes off script. Naomi said, he will tell you what to do. Ruth said in the moment, using wisdom, she makes this big ask. She makes this big appeal. Take me under your wing. You are a family redeemer. In essence, Boaz, marry me and redeem my family. It's odd, but it fits in the law. Now, Boaz has the right to react harshly, or he could have acted dishonorably and taken advantage of her. But he doesn't do either. Both Ruth and Boaz exhibit God's wisdom with honorable intentions. Neither was obligated to the other, but both show honor and grace to the other. Here's the problem. There's another redeemer. Boaz must first account for this person. Wisdom Wisdom is making the best decision you can with the information you have at the time. We might change our decision. We might do something differently if we had more information. Haven't you been in that situation before? We love judging others. Today is a good intention. Let me tell you, uh, after the fact, I love talking about what they did wrong in the football game. How in, the world, how, did, how in the world Kansas beat OU? I don't know, but it was good, good doing, right? Well, unless you're an OU fan. Then you can judge it. Look at that. Well, you know what the problem is? Let me, tell you, let me show you what they did. Sure, we do all this. They call it Monday morning quarterbacking, right? You do all this after you know all the other information. Human beings, we love to, to look back a month, six months, a year later, and judge the decisions of people when we have more information. But wisdom is making the best decisions you can with the wisdom you have at the time. So notice verse 16. Ruth goes back to Naomi and told her everything. That's good advice for young people, even today. Don't do anything you wouldn't want to tell your mom about afterwards. In our culture... We live in a right now culture. We even have a thing in the church called right now media. We, it has to be in the moment. We want it now. And yet scripture tells us we are naturally foolish. Wisdom has to be acquired. There's no quick fix to gaining wisdom. It has to be acquired over time. So wisdom can't happen right now. This tells us we all need a Naomi. In our life, somebody who is older, wiser, who can speak into our lives, just like we all need a Ruth, somebody who's younger, still learning, still excited, still, still driving. We, we need to be wise in the moment because we have someone wiser speaking into our lives. And yes, we all need a Boaz. We all need a family redeemer. So what happens? Ruth waits. What's Boaz doing? Chapter 4, verse 1, he goes to the city gates and waits. Well, what happens? That's next Sunday. 
you want to see what God will do. But here's the truth I'll leave you with. God doesn't wait to work in your life. He's working at this very moment in all the things around you to bring about good to those who love him. His goodness and mercy stands ready to fill you so that you don't leave this room empty. Jesus is your family redeemer. Would you accept him? His goodness is running after you. We'd love to share the next steps in following Jesus. Let's stand now and sing about the goodness of God. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, engage, lead, and celebrate others. Thank you.